Welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I'm Dr Louise Kugler and today from Sydney I'm talking to Dr Leora Kempler about sleep in babies and what to expect in the first year. Leora is a sleep psychologist who specialises in insomnia and sleep disorders at the Walcock Clinic in Sydney. She completed her PhD at the University of Sydney. And her interests include the treatment of patients with insomnia and women having difficulties in the antenatal and postpartum period. Welcome, Leora. Thank you very much for having me. So today we're going to talk about sleep in babies, what to expect of a baby in the first year as far as sleep goes, what can be done to set up a healthy sleep regime for a baby, and how to maximise sleep for the mother, family, or the new baby. So let's start off. As primary care professionals, we get lots of questions about sleep in the new baby. And unless you've had a new baby in your own house, you're often not familiar with what's normal and what's abnormal. So statistics tell us that approximately one third of infants will have sleep issues in this first year. So it's very, very common. So let's start with what does a baby's sleep look like in this first year? What about the first three months? What should we be expecting from our babies? Well, I'm glad you sort of uh, phrased it like that toward the end because I was just going to say that covering a year with one sentence is really not possible because their sleep changes both physiologically but practically as well quite rapidly in the, in the first year. There's a lot of, I guess, brain growth in that time. And so their sleep stages are changing, the duration that they can sleep for is changing, and it really does change sort of every couple of weeks or months depending on the child. But certainly every three months, as you say, was, is about right. So in the first three months, often they're referred to as a fourth trimester, um, purely because the baby is so heavily dependent on mum at that time. And sleep sort of mirrors that perfectly. So in the first three months, the most important thing to realize is your baby is not going to have a circadian rhythm, which means that they'll be sleeping day and night and waking day and night. And they may not have very much of a routine. They may sleep probably the longest period is about four hours in a row. And if you're lucky, those four hours will be at night, but they may not. Um, they'll wake through the night for feeds and that's very normal and necessary at that time. If you were to add up all of their sleep in a 24-hour period, it literally could be as low as 12 hours of 24, but as high as 20. So again, even within the three months, within individuals, there's a lot of variability. And honestly, the, the best thing you can do at this time is just survive in many ways, you know, respond to your baby's needs, they need help getting to sleep at this age um, via either feeding or settling or, or padding or rocking or whatever it is, initiating sleep on their own in those first few months. Um, it, it, it's common for them not to be able to do that and it's normal for them not to be able to do that. So as much as you sort of hear how important it is to have good sleep habits and routines and, and that's all very true, it's probably not very necessary at the beginning, certainly not in the first six weeks. Depending on your baby, if they start to sort of develop that circadian rhythm and a majority of their sleep's happening at night, excuse me, after that, you can start to implement these things. And if your baby's a good sleeper, by all means, 
go for it. But if it's not happening, it's certainly not unusual. So don't worry so much about your routines at that time. Probably more importantly would be to realize that your baby can probably only stay awake for one to one and a half hours in the first three months. So your best bet for implementing some sort of routine is to just kind of offer them sleep every one and a half hours. So then the next the next sleep period, what does this look like and what sort of ages are we talking about? So the time that your baby will start to develop their circadian rhythm really can vary from as young as six weeks and up to maybe four or five months in, in you know, the, the other end of the spectrum. But on average, let's say three to four months, um, a consolidation of their naps will happen. So they'll sort of sleep for longer periods less frequently and hopefully they will spend more of their sleep time at night than during the day and have longer sleep periods at night and shorter wake periods at night. Um, they will sleep for a total of 14 to 15 hours between that sort of three to six months of age. Another thing to sort of know about that three to six months age uh, gap is that they'll sort of start to extend their wake time as well. So they might be awake for an hour and a half at the beginning and then maybe twice that amount, so like 180 minutes or so uh, uh, as that sort of brain development continues and the circadian rhythm starts to develop. Um, you can start to initiate a bedtime as well during that time and introducing a routine or a pre-bed routine around that sort of probably four to six month age is probably a good time to do it. But just be aware that, you know, a baby may still need help to get to sleep you definitely want to offer them the opportunity to fall asleep on their own, you know, pop them in the cot when they're sort of happy and calm but um, awake. Just see if they can get to sleep on their own, even if you stand next to them. And if they can, that's fantastic. That's really good for their sort of long-term sleep development. But if they can't, that's certainly normal as well. We may see some babies that are catnappers who really only sleep 45 minutes during the day at that time. And uh, the other thing to be aware of between three and six months is your baby may start rolling. And so you definitely want to stop swaddling just for safety at that time. And you might see a bit of disruption in their sleep when that happens. So we've got to six months. What can we expect for the, the second half of the year? Okay, so this is where things get a little bit interesting because at six months, a lot of babies are capable of initiating sleep by themselves, which... I suppose the term people use is self-soothing. So some babies develop that at six months, a lot don't. So I think it's important, again, to offer them that opportunity to fall asleep on their own, but not expect it from them. Your baby is different to your friend's baby and your sister's baby. So just know your baby and, and what's reasonable for them. And it is normal to take more than six months to be able to do that. Um, but at that age, they'll be sleeping probably, again, sort of 12 to 14 hours or even maybe 16 hours in some cases. But most of that will be at night at this time, which is really good. So 10 to 12 of those hours should be at night and sort of the rest should be two to three, a couple of naps a day, depending on how long those naps are. So the other thing that's important to note this time is sleep onset can become cue dependent. And what that kind of means is that if you put your baby to sleep in your arms, patting them, and then they wake up during the night in their cot, they might say, oh, why aren't I still in mum's arms being patted? This is strange. And 
you know, call you in to get things going again. So I think the, the best advice to sort of give with that is, number one, be aware and you may feel that they're ready to sort of go to sleep in their cot without you at six months. You may feel that they still need more help. You may feel that you can transition from having them in your arms to patting them in the cot or something like that. But just know your baby and, and know that, um, you know, these gradual changes are much more gentle than sort of abrupt ones. But that cue dependency is, is quite normal at that time. Um, on, on the other side of things, you may be having solid food at this time as well. You may have even had solid food earlier than that. And that can affect sleep both on the positive and negative. They might have a more full tummy, so they might sleep longer. But with new foods come new responses. They may be adjusting to what it feels like to digest a different type of food. So they may be uncomfortable or constipated or something like that. I mean, that's an individual bad night. So it's, a, it's just something to be aware of. Night feeds will be less common or at least less frequent at six months. Some babies won't have night feeds at all at that time. If you have a little baby, they might still have a night feed at, or yeah, even one to two night feeds at that time. But uh, again, it's probably a good time to sort of question whether your baby's waking for food or not and try and do them back to sleep with different strategies before you feed them. Because if you're feeding them and they're not actually waking for hunger, you can kind of just drive that more than necessary and, and sort of promote more likely wakes and more demands for night feeds. So just sort of, uh, be, again, be aware of the possibility that they may not need to be fed at that time they may not be waking because they're hungry they might just be waking because they're babies so yep settle settle back to sleep before you feed if their last feed wasn't too long ago try and have really consistent predictable behavior and uh, have like a nighttime routine around yeah by that age and they'll be able to predict what's happening much better babies really just thrive on on predictability that's what makes them feel safe so if they're going to be sleeping and wake through the night and feel safe, they'll have a much better time returning to sleep. But, uh, yeah, we probably see about 30% of parents that have sleep complaints kind of between that 6 to 12-month age range. So that may be because of parental behaviour kind of exacerbating natural difficult sleep, or it could just be that you have a very wakeful baby that has a difficult time calming down and um, that's just in their nature. But either way, we sort of aim to just say, your baby sleep is like this. Let's see if we can make it a little bit better. I think that's a good aim rather than saying, I want to make my baby that's sleeping for five hours sleep for 10 hours. That's probably a bit far-fetched in the short term. I was wondering about the science of a dream feed. Do dream feeds actually work? And should we ever be waking babies to feed? So it's interesting. So let me just clarify what dream feeds are for people. A dream feed is when you feed a baby during their sleep instead of when they wake for a feed. And to be honest, there's not a lot of research that's been done into dream feeds. It's sort of one of the old wives' tales that has just been implemented by mothers for many, many generations, but there's not a lot of research into it. As far as theory goes, uh, if a baby's waking for hunger by all means, a dream feed's a great idea because if you feed your baby and then you go to sleep as a parent, chances are you'll get your longest sleep period post-dream feed, which is going to feel a lot better for you. 
Um, it's also quite useful if babies are a bit underweight that they can sort of get a bit more food into them without kind of even being aware of it. And they also may be less likely to sort of link the, the feeding as a cue to fall asleep. So they can work. They don't always work. Um, but by all means, I think it's worth trying if, uh, if, if you're really wanting, if you're feeding a lot through the night and you're wanting to extend that first period of your sleep. What can be done to set up a healthy sleep regime for a baby? What are your tips here? So I think the most important thing is timing. If you're going to try and set up a healthy sleep regime for a six-week-old, you might just find yourself very, very frustrated because at that age, it's much harder for them to respond to that type of thing if they're not wired that way. So just have realistic expectations about when's a good time to do this. I think it's always worth trying, but just be realistic. So I think about four months is probably a good time to start setting up a healthy sleep regime, as you say. Prior to that, I think you just need to give a new baby exactly what they need, which is food, cuddles, and sleep, and cleanliness. <laughs> but um, around about that four months mark is when you want to set up a pre-bed routine. So something short and sweet and predictable, like bath, get dressed, read a book, settle to sleep. Um, never underestimate what a baby can understand just because they can't communicate. It doesn't mean they don't understand language. So you can always use language to help them get to sleep. You know, it's sleepy time now and then pop them in the cot. And if they're not sort of screaming and, and desperate for that help, then they might be able to go to sleep by themselves or they might be able to go to sleep with a pat or they might be able to sleep with a song. But whatever it is sort of, you can keep kind of offering them that opportunity to go to sleep without your assistance and that routine and predictability can really help that along. If, you're, if it's early days and you're still putting them to sleep in your arms, that, that's still okay. But just remember to know how old they are and give them other opportunities for falling asleep. But definitely routine, predictability, when they wake through the night, keep it brief, keep it quiet, keep it dark so they know that night is not a time to play and um, only feed for hunger at night, obviously, if you're quite sure that it's, they're waking for hunger. And if they're, not, um, if they're not waking for hunger, then try and settle them another way. There's always going to be exceptions to this, particularly if your baby's not well or you've gone on a holiday to the summer and they're requiring more feeds because of dehydration or whatever it is. There's always exceptions or maybe you're just really exhausted and you've had enough and you just want to get them to sleep as fast as possible. That's fine. But feed them to sleep as an exception to the rule um, once they're no longer waking for hunger. Perfect tips. Thank you. And do you have any resources that uh, you refer your patients to that, are, that give good healthy sleep advice? Yes and no. You know, it's really difficult because there's so much advice out there and it's really quite mixed and it really is unhelpful if it doesn't align with the philosophies of the parent, if that makes sense. Often sleep advice is very closely linked with, I guess, parenting choices. But any books by Jody Mindell are really, really good because they're quite... Um, well, they're very scientific, but they're also balanced in terms of opinion. There's a couple of apps that are more related to um, 
I mean, parent well-being, but there's a couple of apps that are quite good. There's one called What Were We Thinking? There's one called Mind Mum. There's This Way Up has a, I think, one called Mummentum, which is like a postnatal course. And there's one called Mum Mood Booster. And they're sort of all, um, they're not specifically for sleep, but some of them will have some sleep in it. Otherwise, definitely Tresillion or Caratine. Tresillion is the government-funded um sleep help for new mums and Karatani's private, but uh, they both sort of uh, are very helpful for um, mums with babies that aren't sleeping and easily accessible. So, Leora, when sleep is not working for a mother, a baby or the family, who would you recommend that the family contact for good sound advice? The most important thing to know as a new parent is that, you know, all of these sleep help and 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 all the sort of hot topic of baby sleep is around for a reason and the reason is that it is hard and it's normal to be hard so I think it's also just important to say okay there's a difference between finding it hard and not liking the reality of the situation and not coping and they're two very different things so just be aware that these things will change as the baby gets older, the baby's not always going to demand you to rack it. The baby's not always going to demand to be fed to sleep. You know, it's just a normal part of development and their safety and security. And, you know, the fact that it's such a hot topic really demonstrates how normal it is. Coming back to your question, though, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that there's a lot of baby sleep nurses around or baby sleep whisperers or whatever name you kind of want to give them, whether they're people that... Um, you know, come to your house and help you put the baby to sleep or whatever it is. There's a lot of them around, but it's important to know that at the moment there's no regulation on who can be a baby sleep nurse or who can call themselves that. So there are huge varying degrees of qualifications with these titles. And if you want to employ someone to help your baby sleep, just be very aware of what their training is what their strategy is and um, I guess who it is that you're employing. Yeah, that's some really good points, actually. Thank you for that. And to conclude our podcast today, what would your take-home messages be for our listeners? So I think the first most important thing is to realise how much a baby's sleep changes with their age and to have sort of realistic expectations to their developmental stage. So for example, as, as I sort of said earlier, with a newborn, they really do need a lot of help to sleep. They're comfortable when they're wrapped and close to mum. You know, that if they're hearing the sound of the womb or the shushing type sound, that can be helpful. That's totally different to a baby that's sort of six months old that is more capable of, you know, initiating sleep away from mum or, you know, without as much sort of hands-on support. So understand where your babies are in terms of their development and make sure you're responding to those changes gradually. And that'll be a lot easier both for you and baby. Take home message number two, I think it's to know your baby is very adaptable. You know, they might fall asleep in the pram or the car or wearing you, you wearing them or in the cot. But I think it's important to also know their limitations and for you to be adaptable as well. You know, if you have a baby that's sleeping very healthily, but they're starting to the day at 5 a.m., it's not ideal, but it is normal and it is healthy. So if you can go to bed early, 
you know, maybe that's an easier way to manage things and maximize your own sleep when you have a baby whose sleep is really quite normal for their age. Also, I suppose just to extend on that point, to juggle between you and your partner differently. You know, there's two of you and, you know, potentially, I don't know how many children you might have, but for in, in the sort of 12-month period, most commonly you've got one. <laughs> so, you know, try and juggle between you and your partner so you can each get a good um, longer duration of sleep. I think that's a good way to do it. I think also just having patience and knowing that this is a very, very normal process can help you cope with it a lot better. And, and knowing that it's not forever can be really helpful too. And the last point I think is to also realize on top of all of that, that parenting behavior does affect infant sleep and it can exacerbate this sort of cue dependent sleep onset that we see. So often managing infant sleep will come down to all these kind of sleep training processes that people don't want to hear about. And that is a little bit of a podcast on its own, so I'm not going to delve into that. But essentially, a baby will learn what you help it learn, and there are gentle ways of doing that. But if you only ever feed your baby to sleep, that's all it's ever going to know. And if you only ever rock it to sleep, that's all it's going to know. So your baby will have its own sort of genetic predisposition to sleep patterns, but your behavior does affect that as well. So as much as possible, you want to take your baby's sleep, see if you can make it a little bit better if necessary. And if what's happening is fairly normal and healthy and you're coping fine, maybe nothing needs to be changed. Thank you. Those are excellent points. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank if you're you. in New Zealand and would like to claim CPD points for listening to this podcast, please fill in the Reflection of Learning form found at goodfellowunit.org. You can also find a list of resources used in this podcast. And on our website, you can also access for free webinars, med cases, gems and e-learning modules. Thank you for listening.